welcome to the Justin Peters program, where we're searching the scriptures to see if these things are so, studying to show ourselves approved, rightfully dividing the word of truth so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here's your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are doing well, and I want to thank you so very much for joining me today. Uh, is it cold where you are? Boy, what a what a strange winter. It started off really cold here in northern Idaho. November, November and December, we had a number of nights pushing zero, which was uh, really cold for us in our little tin can of an RV, and uh, we had considerable snow. But ever since then, basically the first or so week of January, the snow machine has been turned off here, and it's been almost like springtime. I mean, it, there we haven't had any snow on the ground here in weeks. Uh, today, we were well into the 50s. In fact, uh, right now, believe it or not, right now, there's more snow and ice on the ground in my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi, than there is here in Sandpoint, Idaho. So go figure. I uh, heard that last night it was supposed to be five or six degrees in Memphis. And uh, I was talking to Brandon and I uh, told him, I said, man, you need to move up from Memphis, move from Memphis up here to northern Idaho so you can warm up. <laughs> so it's been quite quite an odd winter. Uh, very, very, very cold for the eastern two-thirds of the country, but uh, very, very mild here. So anyway, uh, kind of enjoyed it. I've received some emails from several of you telling me that you have benefited from our walk through Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And I want to thank you very, very much for that. That's very encouraging to me. Anytime I get an email from one of you to let me know that you are listening, I am very encouraged by that. And uh, and please know that each and every one of your emails are read by me, uh, unless I happen to miss one unintentionally, which occasionally happens, but but almost all of them I, I do read. I, I get uh, a lot of emails. I'm not always able to respond to each and every one like I would like to, but, uh, but I do read them, and they are a great encouragement to me, and so I thank you for that. Please do keep them coming. Um, it's, it's good to know that I've got some people listening, because as I've said before, sitting here behind the microphone, I don't know who is listening to me, but apparently some are, and so I want to thank you for that, and if you have ideas for future programs, please send those to me as well, and Lord willing, maybe we can get to those at some point, but I do take your uh, your suggestions very, very seriously, so um, thank you for that. Well, I wanted to give you an update on my recent trip to Brazil. Uh, some of you have heard that there was a bit of a controversy on this trip, and I do want to discuss that with you, but first, before we get to that, I just want to say that I consider it a great honor to have been invited to preach and I want to extend my sincere appreciation to the conference organizers who did invite me. This was only my second time to preach in South America, the first opportunity being in Ecuador uh, about four years ago. 
but this, of course, was my first time in Brazil. And uh, Brazil, wow, what an enormous, enormous country. Uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at Brazil on a map, but that is one large, large country. But um, at any rate, I, I preached an expositional sermon on Saturday night. This, the conference was, at least I was there, from uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And uh, so uh, an expositional sermon I preached on Saturday night and Sunday morning. And the crowd Saturday night was around 9,000 people, I'm told. And uh, 9,000 people, that is... Uh, by a factor of three, that is the largest venue in which I have ever spoken. In fact, a little bit more than a factor of three, three point two or three, something other. So uh, anyway, uh, far and away, the largest crowd uh, that I have ever spoken in front of. When I got up on stage and looked out at that massive audience, it almost didn't even look real to me. There were just so many people there. And uh, incidentally, I was not the only speaker. I was but one of numerous speakers there at the conference. So please don't think that all 9,000 of these folks showed up to see me uh, because that is certainly not the case. I was just one of a number of of different speakers. Uh, I did preach through a translator, given that Portuguese is the primary language there in Brazil. My translator was a, a great guy named Breno. And uh, Breno, I think I remember him saying he was 30, 36, 37 years old. But uh, Breno's a great guy. He's a husband. He's a father and a preacher and a good one at that. As I have listened to one of his sermons on YouTube, Breno's a, a very, very good, very able preacher, a uh, really good guy. He takes uh, he takes scripture doctrine very, very seriously. So it was a pleasure to meet Breno. Uh, I met a number of dear brothers and sisters in the Lord on this trip. Um, I can't tell you about all of them. They're just uh, too many, but uh, a couple. The, the young man who was there with me from the time I landed in Recife, Brazil, I flew into Recife. The uh, conference was in a town, a city named Capina Grande, but I flew into Recife and um, a young man named Igor uh, met me at the airport. Igor, Igor was with me the entire time. Igor is almost 20 years old, and he and I made what I trust will be a lasting friendship with one another. He was of tremendous help to me. He translated for me at times. He carried my bags, my equipment. He helped me get squared away in the hotel and would even uh, every morning he would come in and help me with my socks and my shoes because my feet were really swollen on this trip, really swollen. And, and I just needed needed help getting getting my socks and shoes on. And so he uh, very graciously did that. He did everything that I needed, did it with joy and uh, r- really went above and beyond in every way. And uh, so I really, really appreciate Igor. Another man I met was named uh, Diego. And Diego and I really hit it off as well. Uh, Diego was my driver around Capina Grande, uh, the city in which the conference was being held. But what is different with Diego, though, is that Diego does not speak English, and I certainly do not speak Portuguese. And uh, we communicated some through Igor, but most of our communication uh, was just really each morning he would meet me in the hotel lobby 
And he would see me and he would say, Justin, and I would say, Diego, and, uh, you know, we just big grins on each other's faces. We would hardly shake one another's hands. He would pat me on the shoulder, you know, and even though we could not communicate really verbally, uh, we really did like one another. You know, we just had a, uh, as I did with uh, Breno, as I did with Igor, uh, had this with uh, Diego as well. We really did, um, you know, just have a, um, a, a kindred spirit there, a kindred spirit with one another. And uh, Diego is a, a solid believer. He is doctrinally sound, uh, and he is burdened by the same false teaching which burdens me and should burden all of us who care for the purity of the gospel and the name of Christ. Uh, so Diego was a great, great encouragement to me. Uh, all of these men were, and there were others as well. Just there's there's so many I could not name them all. And, uh, and you know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, uh, but a number of a man, a number of young men, I would say as well. I mean, uh, it, it, it was really encouraging to me to meet all these young men whom uh, I had a, a considerable opportunity to to sit down and, and visit with and fellowship with. And these were young guys, um, uh, many of them single, who really care for doctrine, who are who study the Word of God and care about doctrine. They care about truth. Uh, they want to preach and teach the gospel rightly. And, uh, and it, you know, it's, it's just, it was really encouraging to me to see these young men so on fire for the Lord. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times when we think of people being on fire for the Lord, that they're these, you know, holy rollers out there, they're, they're all emotional and, you know, that, that everything for them is emotionally driven and they go out and, uh, you know, really zealous and all, but, but, you know, when I say on fire for the Lord, they're not, you know, not, they're not out there like some of these crazy people that you see a lot on Christian television and, uh, some of these weirdos out on the street. No, they're, they care about doctrine and they care about doctrine. And because they care about doctrine, they do share the gospel. They do go out and, and witness to people, you know, not in some weird, crazy way. They just go out and they just share the gospel with people and, and they study to show themselves approved unto the Lord. And, uh, that was just really, really encouraging to see, for me to see these young men. You know, I'm seeing it everywhere I go. Uh, I've seen it. I saw it in the Netherlands. I, I saw it in, um, the Philippines, uh, I, I saw it in Uganda even. I, I, everywhere I go, I see young men who are really digging into the Word of God and um, care about His truth. And uh, um, so it's a great, great encouragement to me. It's a great blessing to me to see these young men and, and women out there, but of course, you know, I'm obviously talking to the men uh, a lot more, you know, uh, than I would be to, to ladies, but, uh, you know, just sitting down and fellowshipping with these men, that's, that's strictly men. The, uh, you know, the only ladies really talk, you know, it's a, like a, at a meal in a public setting, a bunch of people sitting at a table or things like that. But just, uh, you know, when the day is over and, and, uh, we kind of, 
you know, headed back to the room or whatever and, and with these young men and they're helping me get around and carry all my stuff and get to visit with them. And, and it's just so encouraging to, to hear from them and to hear how, how committed they are to the truth of God's word. And, um, you know, it's also neat, like, like with Diego, for example, who did not speak English, um, even though there's that language barrier, uh, when you're with like-minded believers in Christ, and any of you who have had the opportunity to travel overseas, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but you may be in a different country with a a different culture, different social norms maybe on some level, uh, different language certainly, but when you're with like-minded believers in the Christ, there's a kindred spirit there that transcends all of those superficial differences. There's just a bond there. It's like you feel at ease. You feel comfortable. Uh, it's the, 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 the fellowship is sweet. It's not forced. It just happens. You know, it just happens. It just flows. And there's a man, it is just, a, it's an amazing, amazing thing to experience. I just, uh, it brings me to tear. In fact, I'm, I'm starting to, to tear up even now a little bit, but it just, it just so often brings me to, to tears because it's so precious. It's such a precious thing to experience. And, uh, every time uh, I go to one of these countries and I have this fellowship, I, I just always think of how God's kingdom will be, will be populated by people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Uh, God has His people all over the world. Black, white, brown, red, you know, um, uh, from every, every country, every country on the, on the earth, God has His people. And, um, and so it's, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to experience. It really is. I really enjoyed my time in uh, Brazil and I'm so grateful for all the people who helped put that together and, and, uh, helped me so much on the trip. Now, okay, uh, regarding, regarding the controversy, I want to talk about it and, and, uh, of course, any, Controversy, of course, automatically brings up some negative um, images, and that is uh, a part of it. But uh, I hope maybe by the time it's we kind of wrap this up, that uh, that we'll, we'll live with some um, leave with some encouragement as well. But uh, okay, after my two expositional sermons, excuse me, on Saturday night and Sunday morning, I was scheduled for. Two sessions on Monday and two on Tuesday for a total of four, four sessions to do my seminar, Clouds Without Water, on the Word of Faith movement. And the conference organizers wanted me to address the Word of Faith movement and the prosperity gospel because this is a huge huge problem in Brazil, as it is here in the United States. It's a huge problem all over the world. Uh, in fact, there in Capina Grande, Kenneth Hagen, who was the father of the modern Word of Faith movement and who died, uh, what was it, about almost 15 years ago now, but uh, Kenneth Hagen began a seminary there in Capina Grande, a seminary which remains in operation uh, today. And I saw several cars just driving around the city with Rama bumper stickers on them. Of course, Rama that's the name of the church that he started in the name of the uh, seminary. So uh, the Word of Faith movement is huge, huge there in Brazil. Okay, my first inclination that there might be some trouble 
is when I was told that my sessions on Monday and Tuesday would be held in an Assembly of God church, which is, of course, a that uh, is uh, charismatic in its theology, in that the Assembly of God church believes in the continuation of the apostolic gifts, specifically tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, uh, miracles, and physical healing. And... Uh, I said something about this, that it would be interesting to see how my messages would be received because uh, I said I would be speaking on the gift of tongues. I would be giving the biblical parameters for this gift. And I was assured that it would be okay, though, because the Assembly of God Church was just a venue, basically. It was just a venue in which to hold these uh, breakout sessions. I, my crowd was not going to be the big crowd, the, you know, the 9,000. These were more of breakout sessions. So, um, uh, But I was assured it would be okay because it's basically just a venue, just a place to hold the thing. So uh, I'd also sent my PowerPoint presentations uh, ahead of my arrival. I emailed them uh, in ahead of my arrival so that they could be the uh, slides could be translated into Portuguese. And uh, my slides dealing with tongues were included, but nothing was ever said to me about this, so I thought everything would be okay. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders, you know, and didn't think a whole lot of it, that it was going to be held in this particular venue. And uh, I was told that some charismatics would be there, but this is really nothing new for me, as I've had charismatic audiences before, and I have even done my seminar in a couple of continuationist churches. And, uh, for example, a couple of Calvary Chapel churches I've done my seminar in, and they are continuist in their view of the apostolic gifts. And so, at any rate, though I am a cessationist, I am a cessationist. I do believe that the apostolic gifts have ceased, and I definitely do teach from that position. I also am always careful to point out that this is not a salvific issue. Okay, we are not talking about whether or not someone is a Christian. Now, genuine Christians do come down on different sides of this debate and can still have fellowship in Christ. So it's not a salvific issue. So, But that having been said, it is a very important issue because where you come down on this issue has a lot of ripple effects into a number of other issues as well, particularly dealing with the sufficiency of Scripture. So uh, anytime I, you know, I teach on this issue of tongues and how God does and does not speak to us, uh, I always say that, you know, we're talking about a very important issue, but in and of itself, it's not salvific. And what I tell people is, if you disagree with me, uh, that's fine, that's okay, just know why you disagree. Uh, be able to back up your position biblically, and you've got to have a better better reason for being a charismatic than simply saying, well, I've experienced tongues, or this is something that I do in my private prayer closet, or I, I hear God speak to me, I know He does. Well, you can't base your theology off, your, your, off of your experiences, because uh, lots of other People in, in pagan religions have the exact same experiences as do charismatics. Uh, Hindus explain, uh, display some of the exact same kinds of behavior that we see from charismatic Christians. They speak in tongues. 
they get slain in the spirit. Um, they prophesy. They even have physical healings. They, they do all the things that charismatic, charismatics do, and yet they're Hindus. So we cannot base our theology uh, on our experiences. Our experiences may not be legitimate. And if our experiences are outside of biblical parameters, they certainly are not legitimate. So at any rate, well, on Monday, I did the introductory session, the duty of discernment, talked about biblical discernment, the biblical precedent for discernment. And uh, and then after a break, we came back, I did the second session uh, entitled Dangerous Doctrines, talked about the metaphysical cultic origins of the Word of Faith movement, some of the standard doctrines that the Word of Faith preachers teach. And people were really, really interested. I was showing the video clips, and uh, the clips were being uh, translated, of course, and, and people were just shocked. They just uh, gasped at, uh, um, at the heresy that they were hearing right from the horse's own mouth. You know, they were watching these clips, and they were shocked at it. And so towards the end of Dangerous Doctrines, I introduced what we would be talking about tomorrow on Tuesday's sessions. And uh, Tuesday's sessions are entitled, would have been entitled Mangled Manifestations and the Hurt of Healing, two different sessions there. And in regards to the former Mangled Manifestations, I told the audience that I would be speaking, among other topics, but I would be speaking on tongues and how God does and does not speak to us. Well, there were some charismatics in the audience who took offense that I was going to be speaking on these issues. And some of these people, I don't know how many, um, I'm pretty sure it was a relatively small minority, but at any rate, uh, some of these people complained to the conference organizers. They were very upset about it. And so I think this really alarmed the conference organizers. And so the organizers sent word to me through an individual that they were concerned that if I spoke on these topics that it would cause division and it would end up hurting the conference. And so they asked me to just speak more on the doctrines of the Word of Faith movement like positive confession, little God's doctrine, etc., etc. I could do that tomorrow to my heart's content, uh, but they asked me to avoid speaking about tongues and to avoid speaking about how God does and does not speak to us today. Of course, I teach that God speaks to us strictly through Scripture, but um, uh, the, they were very kind and respectful in their approach to me, but they also said that if I could not do this, that my sessions would have to be canceled. And dear ones, uh, I will admit for a little while, for a few minutes there, I struggled with what to do. Uh, I had flown all of this way from the United States to Brazil. The conference had gone to the expense of bringing me in, and uh, they did pay for my expenses. Not all of my international trips were, are like this. Some people are not able to to reimburse me for expenses, but they were able to do uh, do so in Brazil. So anyway, the conference uh, had gone to the expense of bringing me in. You know, not not uh, an inexpensive thing to do. Uh, and uh, and also, I wanted as many people as possible to hear as much truth as possible. Uh, the people in attendance seemed to really, really be interested in what I was teaching. 
and and uh, and I wanted to teach them. I wanted to have that opportunity, uh, and so it was it was tempting at first to think, well, you know, okay, I could I could still talk about other things. I just wouldn't be able to talk about healing. But um, you know, after I never was comfortable with it. I never was comfortable with it. I, and I, I mean, I thought about it, but I don't think I can say that I, I ever seriously thought about it. Um, I was trying to work it out of my mind. All right, how can I still get the same teaching in, but just not, you know, maybe call it tongues or whatever? But I just, you know, was racking my brain. But I, I just, in the end. Um, after a few minutes of, of pondering about this, I just couldn't do it. I, I just could not do it. When I thought of when I thought of changing my presentation for the next day on Tuesday, my conscience would not let me rest. Would not let me rest. For one thing, I had already announced what I would be speaking on the next day. I'd already announced it to everybody, and so everyone is expecting me to speak on these issues. But more importantly, I could not change my message based upon the audience. Uh, to do so would be to violate my conscience, and I just could not do that. I just could not violate my conscience. If I had gotten up the next day and not spoken on tongues, you know, I had plenty of material. There was no shortage of material. I could have filled up the time easily with a lot of other uh, a lot of other things regarding the Word of Faith movement, the prosperity gospel. But if if I had changed my message based upon the audience, I just it would have violated my conscience, and I could not have lived with myself. I just couldn't. And uh, so um, I told the gentleman, I said, "I'm sorry, I just I can't do it. I can't do it." And so my sessions were canceled. And another speaker was secured to take my place the following day. Uh, so the next day, I did not go. I did not go to the sessions. And from what I was told by others who were there, the place, the venue there was even more packed than it had been the day before. Uh, people were looking in through the windows from the outside. Uh, so the place was just packed. Also, from what I'm told, however, uh, once people realized that I was not there, many of the people left. They turned around and, and just left. Now, please understand, I do not say this to pat myself on the back. Not at all. Uh, this is just a reflection of how much people wanted to hear the teaching. Many there agreed with me, and apparently some did not. Maybe many did not. I don't know what the breakdown was, uh, but uh, a number of their number of people were there, obviously, who, who did not agree. But at least they were there. At least they were there, and they wanted to hear what I had to say on these issues. Uh, but these issues were not going to be addressed by the gentleman who replaced me as the speaker. I don't even know who he was. I don't even know his name. I'm told he was to he was asked to speak on the Word of Faith movement, like I was speaking on, but. But he was not going to touch on any of these issues, and uh, and so a lot of people left. Uh, at this point, dear ones, let me say that I do not even know. Honestly, I do not even know how many conference organizers uh, for the conference there even were. 
I don't know. I don't know how many conference organizers there were. And uh, I'm quite sure that there are some I never even met while I was there. And I may have met some of them without even knowing who they were. So I have no idea how many conference organizers they were or even exactly who all they were. Um, and I'm also quite sure that not all of the conference organizers agreed with the request that was made to me. I was, uh, at least this was what I was told. Not, not all of them agreed with the request that was made to me not to speak on these issues, but, um, you know, I guess apparently the majority did. So anyway, that is, that's what I was told. So that's my best information. Um, um, there was a, now I want to, I want to, I want to say this because I, I think I need to. There was, there was a statement that was put up on the Justin Peters Ministries Facebook page last week that some of the conference organizers found insensitive and overly harsh. And while this statement was certainly not put up in any malice and was certainly not put up with any desire to insult or to hurt anyone, I can see how this did indeed happen. I can. Uh, the way in which it was worded certainly could have given the impression that I was angry or that the conference organizers did not care about biblical truth. And let me say that I do not believe this to be the case. Uh, the, the two conference organizers with whom I met are both uh, very, in fact, I, I met with two of them the day I were, was to leave for uh, Recife to the airport and leave to come back home. So I met with them. In other words, this was Wednesday morning and uh, they wanted to meet with me and they were, it was a very cordial meeting, uh, both very nice gentlemen. And I have every reason to believe that they, that both of these genuine, uh, both of these men genuinely want to see people come to true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, of this I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So, for the statement that caused offense, uh, I want to publicly say that I take responsibility for that, and I want to express my regret. I want to offer my sincere apologies, and I do ask for their forgiveness. I, I do not uh, I did not mean to to cause that, and so I do genuinely apologize and I, and I ask for, for their forgiveness. Um, a little historical context for the conference may help shed a bit of light and understanding on the situation. This is an annual conference which began 17 years ago. And when it began, it was, from the best of my understanding, basically a full-blown Word of Faith conference. So 17 years ago when this conference began, it was full-blown Word of Faith and um, very doctrinally unsound. As the years have progressed, however, God has, in His providence, brought more and more doctrinally sound elements into it, more doctrinally sound teachers. And uh, so many of the conference organizers have been trying to right the ship, so to speak. Uh, but as with any large ship, uh, a large ship does not turn on a dime. It does take time to turn these things around. But from what I understand, uh, that has been happening slowly but surely uh, over the years. And given uh, given that this is such a large conference, it's a it's one of, if not the largest. 
Christian conferences in Brazil. Uh, given that it's so large, it's not surprising that not everybody in attendance is on the same page theologically. There are Armenians there. There are doctrines of grace people who are there. I'm sure there's a lot of people there who wouldn't even know what those terms were. Uh, there are cessationists such as myself, and there are charismatics. So in an effort not to offend anyone, and in an effort not to keep as um, in an effort not to keep anybody coming to the conference, uh, the conference organizers have taken the approach of trying to steer clear of issues deemed to be divisive, such as tongues and how God does and does not speak to us today. And as best I understand, also Arminianism and Calvinism, to use those terms. And so... Um, the conference organizers have taken the approach and don't want to get off onto these, you know, uh, debatable issues or de- issues that that many people deem to be divisive. Uh, so, in the in the in the spirit of unity, you know, they want to kind of steer clear of those and and stick more to, I suppose, fundamental issues. And let me say that intellectually, I understand their concern. I do. Intellectually, I understand where they're coming from. Biblically, however, I just do not agree with it. I cannot agree with it. If something is in the Bible, which tongues is, and how God does and does not speak to us, that is, if something is in the Bible, it should not be off-limits to teach. Truth is truth regardless of the audience. I understand that these can be sensitive issues, but the charismatic issue is a huge issue. The issue of how God does and does not speak to us is a huge issue. Both of these issues are profoundly misunderstood by the vast majority of professing Christians. The vast majority. Even even those who would say that they are not charismatic do not understand these issues. And um, because there is such misunderstanding on these issues, uh, there is profound spiritual harm being done to um, young believers. And when I say young believer, I don't necessarily mean chronologically. I mean um, believers who are not yet mature in the faith, not yet mature in their understanding of doctrine. So many people are misusing the gift of tongues, or what they think is the gift of tongues anyway. And in so doing, by misusing this, not only are they doing harm to themselves spiritually, but they are also dishonoring God. They're dishonoring God. They're doing exactly what the Corinthians were doing. They're doing exactly what Paul was writing to correct in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, These people, many of them anyway, are undoubtedly sincere. I have no doubt that many of these people are very sincere, but sincerity is not the issue. Truth is the issue. The only thing that can lead people out of biblical error is biblical truth. Okay, let me say that again. The only thing that can lead people out of biblical error is biblical truth. Uh, And I was going to give them that on Tuesday. I was going to encourage them not to base their theology on their experiences, which is what so many charismatics do. 
Our theology must be based upon the truth of Scripture. And also, dear ones, um, I know that some of the conference organizers, and again, I have no idea how many or percentage or anything like that, but I, I know that some of the conference organizers do believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation, do believe, have a, a you know, do doctrinally adhere to the doctrines of grace. And, you know, and I, and I say this not in any kind of a way that is disparaging at all. Uh, this is a, a trap that many of us can fall into. But um, we have to be very careful that there is not, that we don't allow a disconnect to come into our, or allow a disconnect to come in between our theology and our doctrine that we have in our head and how we live it out. And I think that this was a, a good example. Um, some, as I said, some of the conference organizers do hold to the sovereignty of God, have a you know a healthy theology of God's sovereignty, and yet there was this fear of of offending people. There was this fear of of driving people away, of, of them not coming back to the conference. And I say this just not as a, I say this not as necessarily as a corrective. So I, I don't want it to come across as a, as a corrective in any way. But I say this, um, I say this to all of us, and I mean everybody who is listening to me right now, whether you live in Brazil or whether you live in the Philippines uh, or whether you live in the United States of America or Timbuktu or wherever. I say this as an encouragement to all of us. Let's be very careful to uh, not allow uh, a disconnect to work its way into our lives, a disconnect between our our doctrine and how we live it out. Uh, We should never be we should never be worried about how people will react to the truth, uh, that is not something that should concern us. Um, we do have to, there is a way to speak the truth. We are to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15. We should not be unnecessarily caustic or bombastic. We should not come across as judgmental or holier than thou. But at the same time, we should not be afraid of teaching the truth. And I believe that when you look at these issues biblically, when you have a right hermeneutic, when your understanding of hermeneutics is correct, uh, I I think these issues dealing with tongues and how God does and does not speak to us, I think it is very clear from Scripture. And we should not have to shy away from teaching the truth. And so, as I said a little bit ago, if something is in the Bible, we should be able to teach on it, no matter what it is. And as long as we are handling God's Word carefully, we should teach that truth. And then, you know what? If we, be, if we say we believe in the sovereignty of God, then we rest in the sovereignty of God. We teach the truth and we leave the results up to Him. The results are not up to us. It is not up to us how the truth is received. It is up to us to teach it. And I have, there is scarcely a day that goes by in which I do not get an email from someone who has been hurt, profoundly hurt, by this, by charismatic theology, 
by tongues, by um, the, uh, the, the lack of teaching on the sufficiency of Scripture, uh, by people who say, God has spoken to me. There's a, there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of harm being done to people physically and spiritually uh, as a direct result of a misunderstanding of these two very important issues. And so we, the only thing that is going to bring people out of a bad understanding of these issues is the truth. The only thing that will correct unbiblical theology is biblical theology. And so all of these charismatics who were there on Monday and who came back on Tuesday, undoubtedly a lot of these people were charismatic and they had very wrong theology on these issues. But guess what? Now, you know, they, they've had no exposure to the truth. They were going to have it Tuesday, but but um, that uh, they were not afforded that opportunity because um, there was a concern of offending them and that they would not come back. And yet, the point I'm making is is that the only thing that could have helped them out of their deception, the only thing that could lead them out of their wrong understanding of Scripture, is a right understanding of Scripture. The truth, that is the only thing that could bring them out of it. And you know what? The truth will do that. God will use His truth to bring His people into a right and correct understanding of Him. And so um, I am not mad at all. I'm not mad. Uh, if anything, was just uh, sad and disappointed that, that all these people did not get to hear the truth. And... Um, if they disagreed with what I taught, you know, that's that's okay. That's okay. I, and I wanted all of them to know that, you know, I wouldn't think any less of them. But I I just wanted people to to be exposed to the truth and at least get their get their their gears grinding. You know, get get the wheel well, not the gears grinding. Get the wheels turning uh, in their brains to to maybe maybe they could they would think you know. Maybe I've been saying this wrong. You know, maybe I need to look at this again. And and uh, so I, I am disappointed that the people did not have an opportunity to do that. But uh, I'm not mad at all. But uh, at any rate, I, I do want to say again that for any unnecessary um, uh, offense, I, I do sincerely apologize. But um, uh, nonetheless, I do stand by the actions that I took. I, I think I did. I'm, I'm, I remain convinced that I did the right thing, and and uh, some people may not think that. They, some people may say, "Oh, Justin, well, you had two more sessions, you had two more hours, you could have taught on other things." You know, why'd you? Well, I just truth doesn't change depending on the audience, and um, so I I do regret that. I do re- regret that people did not get an opportunity to hear the truth. Yet, I do have uh, a clear conscience about taking the stand that I did. I do have a clear conscience about that. And, wow, you cannot put a, put a price tag on a clear conscience. And also, from what I was told um, through Igor and some others there, they told me that when I took that stand that a lot of people really appreciated it. It, from what I understand, it was very, very encouraging 
to an awful lot of people when they heard why I was not there, when they heard um, that I that I would not change my message based on the audience. They were very encouraged by that, uh, and so I praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I do not take any credit. Um, but by the grace of God, you know, there go there go all of us. So I give God the praise for that. And, and uh, sometimes our uh, our actions uh, speak uh, just as loudly or, or more loudly than do our words. So uh, I pray that 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 fruit will continue to be born there in Brazil. And uh, Lord willing, I hope to have another opportunity to preach in Brazil. I would love to have that opportunity. All right, dear ones, I want to begin to wrap up the program by telling you a little bit more about Igor. As I said, Igor is a young man. He's he's a little bit shy of his 20th birthday, I think. He's right around 20 years old. But I recorded um, a, a little video clip of Igor because as I got to know Igor, and he, he told me what he wanted to do with the rest of his life, Lord willing, I was very, very humbled by what I heard Igor say. And so I want you to listen to this video clip, obviously going to be audio for you in out there in Radio Land, but I want you to listen to this from Igor. And uh, his accent is a little heavy, but I think you'll be able to understand him fine. So uh, listen to this from my friend Igor. Uh, this is my friend Igor. Uh, from Brazil, and uh, he has helped me uh, this week since I came into the country for the conference, and he's been a huge, huge help to me. And he shared with me uh, some about his testimony and what he wants to do uh, ministry-wise for the Lord, if the Lord so allows it. So, Igor, uh, just share with us a little bit what what you would like to do. Yes. Hi, as as Justin has said, my name is Igor. I am almost 20, and I'm get, getting graduated from the College of International Relations, and I have a great desire in my heart to be a missionary in the Middle East. It's something that the Lord has put in my heart since a very early age, and I, I have felt that even each day is something that is growing more stronger. So I'm at the end of the college and I'm pressured of what I want to do. During all of these years, I have studied about all that is happening in the Middle East, the conflicts in Libya, Iraq, Israel, Palestine, and the Lord has broken my heart for those nations. The Bible says that Jesus is worthy to be praised by all the nations, and when the gospel be preached to all nations, then he will return again. And when we look to the world today, we see that a great part of the unreached people and unengaged peoples are in the Middle East. So I believe that we're living a very critical power in history, and we cannot stay silent, we cannot stay quiet and, and pretend that nothing is happening there. Right now, people are dying and they are going to hell because they don't have someone to preach the gospel to them. And right now, millions of young men like me are being decided by Islam, and the Islam keep teachings of jihad. So, I believe that by the hour, we as Christians, we need to develop a good theology, a biblical theology about missions and method. 
I know that what I'm gonna do may cost my life. I know that this may cause me to have a family and wife, but I don't care. Jesus is worthy to be praised by the Arab peoples, by the Muslim peoples, by the Muslim nations, and I'm willing to go wherever it may cost. I don't know exactly how it will be, but the Lord knows my willingness to go. So while I don't go, I try to use my college, my, my papers that I work, I write there to raise awareness about the situation of the Christians in the Middle East now that the Islamic State has raised there and that after the Arab Spring, the persecution against of the Church has been each day more harder and I pray for the Lord to preserve His elected ones there. I'm so sorry also to see that the great part of the missionaries that now are going to the Middle East, they are involved with very bad theology, especially the teachings of New Apostolic Reformation. And here in Brazil, this is also even have very common too. And during some, some years of my life, I was also decided by, by those teachings. I used to believe in apostles, modern-day apostles, prophets, and all these kinds of things. And all of them speak about Israel, speak about the Middle East. So I grieve every time I think about this, that the only Christian missionaries that are going to the Middle East are these kind of people, people involved with bad theology. So the more I learn about reformed theology, the more I learn about the doctrines of grace, I feel more impelled to go. So the Lord has given me this, this desire, and I don't, I don't know how it will be, but I'm willing to go, I'm willing, even if I stay, I'm willing to, to use my money, to use my time, to do whatever I can. So I'm trying to, to speak about this with my peers, to try to show them the need to go for the Lord, to labor for His glory among the nations. And you have in Brazil, you don't have so many preferences about this. Our missiology is, is very... It's very cool. The social gospel is very strong here. And that's why I praise the Lord for sending to us men like Jesse Peters, like Paul Washer, John Piper, David Platt, that he has raised in the U.S. and given them a passion for the glory of the Lord among the nations based in the Bible. We, I want to go to the Middle East to preach the gospel, not because I received this supernatural vision, not because someone told me that those nations would be reached by the gospel. No, I just read in the Bible that Jesus is worthy to be praised by all nations. I read in Revelation chapter 5 that on that day, there will be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. So I want to give my life to this. I want to give my life to see that happening in heaven. Because as I've learned with just in these days, this I know that this can cost my life, but it's a life worth living and dying for. And this is my, my desire. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you ever wondered what it means to take up your cross? Well, that's what it means. That's a good picture of it. Here is Igor, a young man, but 20 years old, and his heart's desire is to go to the Middle East and to do real missions, not to just paint a house or, um, you know, provide food and whatnot, not that I'm against those things, but... Um, 
I am against them if, if they are if they are not done in conjunction with the gospel. But no, Igor wants to wants to devote his life to taking the gospel, uh, not to the Bahamas or not to Hawaii, not to um, Europe or you know even China, a place like that. No, he wants to go to the Middle East. He wants to go where ISIS is. And he knows full well when he when he first told me that he was going to go that he wants to go to the, wanted to go to the Middle East. Uh, I said, uh, I said, Igor, you know that that may cost you your life, right? And he said, Oh yes. He knows. He knows what ISIS is. He knows what ISIS is doing. He knows all full well, and yet he wants to go. Um, dear ones, I, I don't say this to shame any of us. Um, uh, I don't mean to, um, you know, not all of us are supposed to go to the Middle East. That is not something that God has called everybody to do. Um, I do not, at this time at least anyway, I don't foresee anything in the future. Not to say God couldn't change things, but I don't feel called to do what Igor is doing uh, necessarily. Um, but I'm... I'm I'm very encouraged by by young men like him who are. And uh, even if you're not called to go to the Middle East, you know what? All of us, all of us should be willing to to give our lives for the gospel if called upon to do so. Um, And, you know, it's easy for us to say that sitting here in the United States of America in a comfortable home with color televisions and you know and all all the you know creature comforts of home and whatnot it's easy for us to say oh yes i would do that and um or like it'd be easy for us to maybe think that we would uh but you know when you real when you get really honest with with yourself when when i get really honest with myself and i wonder would i would i be willing to do that if if um, if somebody from ISIS had me in an orange jumpsuit with a knife to my neck, um, would I would I stand firm for for Christ? I'd like to think that I would, um, and and I hope and pray that I would. I, I will say that I don't have any confidence in my human in my fallen flesh to do that, but uh, as best I know. As best I know, I would, I would give my life for the gospel because I know that no matter how long we live on this earth, it is, it is but a vapor. It is just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But you know, I think honestly, I, and that I really believe this, that if we were to be put in that situation, if we were to find ourselves in such a situation, uh, for those of us who are truly regenerate, I, I have to believe that if that time were to come, that God would just give a special grace for us to be able to do that very thing. Um, you know, sometimes when I think, would I really? I, I just have to fall back and think, you know, I have to believe that because God is who He is, and um, because he does desire to be glorified in us, um, that if that time were to come, for those of us who are, who truly belong to him, he would give that grace. 
But you know, it is just so encouraging to hear a young man like Igor, uh, who knows full well what it might cost him, and yet he is still full head esteem, making plans to go over and do that very thing. And um, and Lord willing, if it is Lord's will uh, for him to do that, the Lord will provide those opportunities, and Igor will do that. And Igor may give his life for the gospel. He, he very well may. And um, But in so doing, he would bring honor and praise to Christ, and um, he would hear those words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. So, praise the Lord that God is still very much at work in the lives of people from all over the world, still very much at work in the lives of of even our young people. And uh, God, I believe, is raising up another generation, a young generation of people who care about Him, care about truth, care about doctrine, um, because they care to glorify God, to worship Him rightly. Uh, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, it was a good trip to Brazil. Thank you very much, dear ones, for joining me. I am about to get on a plane tomorrow and head to Kansas. I will be doing a seminar in Salina. I never know if it's Salina or Salinas, but S-A-L-I-N-A-S, Salinas, Kansas, uh, this coming Thursday, uh, excuse me, this coming Sunday through Wednesday. And so if you're in that area, would love to see you. Uh, in, uh, the information is on my website for uh, the location of the seminar. So if you're in that area, would love, would love to see you and make your acquaintance. And Lord willing, uh, next week we will begin a series on spiritual warfare. been talking about this for a few weeks. My friend and pastor Jim Osmond has written a book on spiritual warfare. Very, very good book. And we will be doing... 11 weeks on spiritual warfare. Seems like a long time, but I promise you these programs are packed with good information. So grab your pen, grab your paper, and um, go to the book's website, www.truthorterritory.com. That is truthorterritory.com. And the book is available on Kindle format. So until our next time together, dear ones, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to the Justin Peters program. If you have a question or comment for Justin or would like to invite him to come and speak at your church or conference, contact him through his website, justinpeters.org. That's justinpeters.org.